And welcome to this week's edition of Liberty Through the Word with Senior Pastor Mark Elin of Liberty Christian Fellowship of Beloit, Wisconsin. The Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That is to say that the Word of God provides us with physical, moral, and spiritual freedom. Let's tune our hearts and listen to Assistant Pastor Mark Testerman as together we experience liberty through the Word. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17, name of the message, the perfect stone. And I I pray that it will minister in at least three areas of our lives tonight. And that it will challenge us in the areas of holiness. You know, that's never left the heart of God. Holiness. I pray that it would minister to some degree in the area of healing. God is a God that wants to heal people. I promise you that. Whatever you're feeling, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're going through, God wants to heal. He's a healing God. And He heals with His Word. So holiness and healing... And then I pray that it might minister a little bit in the way of authority. And you can see the relationship between holiness and healing and authority. Let me ask you a question. Are you happy with your life? Are you satisfied with your life? Does your life have purpose? Does it have real meaning to it? You have the joy of the Lord in your life. Well, that's the way He's called us to live. And our circumstances should not dictate our joy. I've talked to people recently and I've, I've tried to encourage them along that line. How's things going? All things are just, you know, you know, things are just things. What kind of God are you serving? Things don't have to be just things. Well, you don't know what I'm going through, brother. This is what I'm going through. Boom, 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 boom. Those three Hebrew children went through a fire, came out rejoicing. We can go through some difficult things in life, but I'm telling you, God loves us. He loves us. So I pray that this word would minister in some areas of healing and holiness and authority. Verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of Him and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught that with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. The subtitle to this particular chapter is called Living as Children of Light. You know, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to live as children of light. Let's go back to verse 17. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as a Gentile. You know what Gentiles, you know what they're talking about? Pagans here. Don't live like pagans. Don't live like the world in the futility of their thinking. And verse 18 says, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. As I read verse 18 the other day, they are darkened in their understanding. That doesn't sound right. And separated from the life of God. That sounds worse because of the ignorance. It's not getting any better. That is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And God said, read this scripture backwards and and you'll understand it. So let's look at it. It says, listen, The heart is hard. 
Well, how did the heart get hard? Because of the ignorance that is in them. And do you know what a hard heart is? A hard heart is a stubborn heart. And I'm telling you, the world is full of stubborn people. It's a stubborn heart. It's a heart that says, you can't tell me anything. I don't have to listen to you. It's a stubborn heart. We know that our lives are less than where we want them to be. But that stubborn heart gets in the way when God says there's so much more for you. There's the gift of the Spirit for you. There's your ministry for you. And that stubborn heart rises up and says, I want to do things my way, God. And because of the stubbornness of the heart, the ignorance is in them. And then the Bible says they are darkened in their understanding. And again, when I see darkened in their understanding, and I see separated from God, and I see ignorance and the hardening of the hearts, I really think of woundedness, I really do. Verse 19 says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality. When I started working in the electronics business in the late 70s, the electronic TVs were just hitting the market. And it was my job to deliver those things and set them up. And when I would deliver them, the only thing that that television recognized was a human finger. It didn't recognize an eraser. It didn't recognize a pencil. It didn't recognize anything but a human finger. And as we would begin to deliver some of these things to people and set them up in their homes and we say, lay your hands on these little two bars or this silver bar and watch it change channels. Every once in a while you get somebody that lay their hand on it wouldn't do anything. Well, that began to freak us out a little bit because like, wait a minute. No, it's working for me, but it's not working for you. Try it again. Wouldn't work for them. What we would find out is that some people, because of the trades they worked in, carpentry or masonry, their hands would become so rough, their hands would become so calloused that that television wouldn't recognize it as a human hand and so it would not obey. And that's exactly what the Word of God is saying here. We can get to a point where we can lose the sensitivity that we can't even hear God anymore. We can't feel the wooing and the calling of the Holy Ghost in our lives. And God says, I don't want you to walk in that. I don't want you to walk in that insensitivity. He says, when you do that, you're going to give yourselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You know what it means to give yourself over? It means in the Greek, to deliver to prison. In other words, he's saying, listen, you can put yourself in a prison by being insensitive to God. You can put yourself in a prison by being stubborn before God. And you can stay in prison for a long time. You think God has called us to live in prison? I don't think so. He says, you, however, in verse 20, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. Now listen to me very carefully. To put off your old self. He didn't say take off, but he said to put off. You see, we take a lot of things off. We take our shoes off at the end of the day. We take our clothes off before we go to bed. Some of you take your teeth out. You take your jewelry off. You take your watch off. But when you take things off, you're planning on putting them back on again some, at some point in time. He didn't say take off here. He said put off, and it literally means to get rid of. Get rid of this stuff in our lives that so easily besets us. He's saying get rid of it. Set it at the curb. Bag it up. Set it at the curb. Get rid of it. Burn it. Smash it. Crash it. Whatever you need to do, get rid of it. He says put off your old self. You know what old self means? Old self. God forgive me if I ever call my wife an old lady like some people do. God forgive me. There ain't nothing old about her. She's a new creature in Christ. God said you better put off that old man, that old self. But God is not going to leave us bare. Because no more than he said put off, he said put on. He doesn't want us walking around naked, inside or outside. He said put off 
the old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and then he says to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on you know what bothers me can I just be honest with you what bothers me is some people have got God hooked up to the clapper amen get in trouble clap on get out of trouble clap off get in some more trouble clap him on get in prison clap him on get released clap him off that bothers me because I see the hurt and the pain they go through I'm telling you what, we ought to be thankful when God bails us out of our sin, when God bails us out of our situations that are unpleasant, and not walk away going, thank you, God. Thank you very much. I'll clap you off now. He says here, verse 23, and I think this is one of the key verses here. He says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. To be made new literally means to renovate. I don't think God just wants to remodel me. He doesn't sound like a remodeling God. And you know what renovation is? Renovation is when you go to a home and you totally strip it. The carpet's got to go. The plumbing's got to all go. The electricity's all got to go. The plaster's got to go. The fixtures have got to go. And you put in all new. And that's exactly what God does in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're a new creation in Christ. And he wants to renovate our hearts. That's our minds. That's our soul, our spirit. He wants to renovate us. He wants to take out the old man. And he wants to put a new man in there. Dressed with a robe of righteousness and a garment of praise. Be renewed, he says. That means to renovate. A couple, two, three weeks ago, I wanted to prove a point about something. I took a gallon jug. I put Kool-Aid in it. And it was dark red cherry Kool-Aid. And I put it under the kitchen sink. And I turned the faucet on. I didn't have it on full blast, but I let it kind of ease in there. I came back in about 15 minutes and checked it. It was getting more and more pink looking. Wasn't so red. And within 30 minutes, I could drink out of that gallon jug and I couldn't taste an, a lick of Kool-Aid. It was clear water that was in there. And that's the renovation process that God wants to do. He wants to pour something in and see in that jug, once it got full, it began to force what was in there out. And that's a picture of God. That's a picture of the Spirit of God that begins to pour into us because that's what we are. We are vessels from God. And he wants to pour into us and force all that junk that's in us out. That's what God wants to do in our life. That's called renovation. He said that's what's called renewal. Put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. You know what that means? That just means quit telling lies. You must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. You know what it means to speak truthfully to your neighbor? The word truthfully there means verifiable. So if you walk up to me and tell me something about somebody, you better tell it in a way that I could verify it to be exactly that way. And that doesn't mean just because you can do that, you need to tell me that. But I mean, if you need to tell something, you better tell it in a way that can be verified. But you know what so many people want to do? They just want to tell their version of the way things are. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. When the sun goes down, you lose the light and you lose the warmth. You get cold and you can get a cold shoulder against somebody. And it says here, do not give the devil a foothold. Amen. That's what Ephesians says. Over in chapter 5, verse 8, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. I want you to see how important it is to understand that you're a vessel of God. Beginning at verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditors come to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? That's a good question, isn't it? 
Here's a woman that's standing before the prophet Elisha. Her husband has died. She doesn't want to lose her two boys. So she runs to the prophet Elisha and she said, your servant, my husband, is dead. <laughs> and you know, you know that he worshipped, he feared, he revered the Lord. What am I going to do? And Elisha said, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? I want you to think about house as your temple for a second. Because that's exactly what you are. You're a house. You're a temple of the Lord. So am I. And I just believe Elisha was looking at this woman. And he said, just exactly what do you have on the inside of you? I see you've got a problem. What is it you've got on the inside of you? What's in your temple? Let's start with, do you have some faith on the inside of you? Do you have some faith because a little bit of it goes a long way? You're going to need it for the project you're about to get involved in. Do you have some faith? Do you have any obedience on the inside of you? She said, all I have is a little oil. And oil, of course, is a picture of the anointing. My friend, if that's all you've got, you better hold on to it. We need the anointing of God. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. It destroys it. It shatters it. The bondage that's in our life, the fear in our life, the loneliness that's in our life, the anger that's in our life, it is the anointing that breaks that bondage. It's the anointing that breaks that. The sin that's in our life, the unforgiveness, whatever it may be, the wounds, the pains, the hurts in us, it's still the anointing that breaks that. She said, that's all I've got. He said, whoa, that's all you need. And I want to say to you, as I was looking at this right here, if it's in your house and it's not anointed, get rid of it. Just like Ephesians said, put it off, get rid of it. If it is on the inside of your temple, if it's on the inside of you and it's not anointed, get rid of it, set it at the curb. If you've got to be reduced down to a prayer cloth and a Bible, maybe a little oil for over the doorpost, that's good enough. Amen. I want to take you to 2 Chronicles chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. And Abijah rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. Asa, his son, succeeded him as king, and in his days the country was at peace for ten years. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and incense altars in every town in Judah, and the kingdom was at peace under him. He built up and fortified the cities of Judah since the land was at peace. No one was at war with him during those years, for the Lord gave him rest. Let us build up these towns, he said to Judah, and put walls around them with towers, gates, and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built, and they prospered. Here's a man whose daddy was the king for three years. And like everybody else, he died. But Asa becomes the king of Judah. It says, he did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. When Asa became king, he recognized something. He recognized that he had authority. He recognized that, listen, I'm a king. I can just speak the word. That's exactly what we are. We're kings. Let that settle in your heart for just a second. When he became king, he recognized something. He recognized and realized he had authority. He realized he had some power to do some things with. Let that rise in your heart for a second that you've got authority. You've got the power to do things. You've got some authority on the inside of you. To do great things for God. Do great things for yourself. Great things for your family. Great things for the kingdom of God. And what I love about this particular story, the first thing he did is Esau confronted the situation. And that is a good starting point for us. If we don't like a certain thing in our heart, a certain thing in our life, then there comes a point where you say, I've got to confront that. You see, because until it's confronted, it will just remain same old, same old. It won't just go away by itself. 
We're talking about strongholds here. There were some strongholds that were built up over the years. But we've got to find them. They're clever. They hide themselves well. But Esau saw that, hmm, I see some of the problems here. And he did something about it. He confronted it. That's a great starting point because he wanted to live life to its fullness. How did he confront it? Look at verse 3. The Bible says he removed the foreign altars and the high places. Esau cleaned house. Amen. He cleaned house. And as a temple of the Lord, that's exactly what we are. We're a temple of the Lord. We are anointed and God wants us to be clean vessels on the inside. He said, put off the old self. Put on the new man. Put on the whole armor of God. So we've got some house cleaning to do. And I'm not talking just about sins in our lives. I'm talking about things that inhibit us some way. I'm talking about woundedness and pains and hurt on the inside of us. We've got to confront those situations. And then we've got to say, listen, my friend, I've got to do some house cleaning. I'm going to confront it and I'm going to clean some house. But not only did he clean house, I want you to continue to look at verse 3. The Bible says he smashed the sacred stones. And I saw that and I said, Asa crushed the sacred stones. You know what stones are? Stones are hard things. And we've got some hard things in our lives. We've got things that are hard to get rid of. We've got things that are hard to keep track of. We've got things that are hard to pay for. We've got things that harass us and give us a hard time. And he crushed the hard thing. He crushed the sacred stones. And I believe God was rising up my heart and saying, Mark, tell them to crush some of them sacred stones in their life. Crush some of those hard things and those habits. They smashed it. When I looked at that scripture, I thought about hammers. There's some things we use a claw hammer on. There's some things we use a sledgehammer on. That's a bigger hammer. And there's some things we use a jackhammer on. They're all hammers. And I'll tell you what, God will put the tool in your hand that you need for the job to get done. Honestly, I felt the Lord drop this in my heart. He said, Mark, tell them they're trying to make things go away with the wrong tools. I want you to know something, though. God can crush the strongholds in our lives. And that's what makes us unhealthy people, the strongholds that are built up. Spiritual strongholds that have assignments against you and me to kill us, destroy us, and to steal from us. God says, I can crush those things. So he crushed the sacred stones. The Bible says, and cut down the Asherah poles. That is to say, he got an axe out. He did some chopping. There's some things that we need to swing the hammer at, and there's some things we need to swing the axe at. And if we'll listen to God, God will tell us exactly, like I said, which tool to swing. You don't chop down trees with hammers. You'll be at it a long time. And you don't chop stones with axes. He knew exactly which tool to use to bring it down. Then I saw something in chapter 15, verse 16. The Bible says there, King Asa also deposed his grandmother, Makah, from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive Asherah pole. And I want you to hear me real closely on this one here. The word deposed means removed from office. You just want a modern translation of that? He fired grandma. That's pretty hard, isn't it? Anytime you take a sweet little old grandma and you fire her, there's something wrong with grandma. Grandma was stubborn. Obviously, he went to her first and said, Grandma, you've got to get rid of this Asherah pole. And grandma said, No, I'm not going to do it. And he said, Grandma, you're fired. My Lord. I felt the Lord speak to my heart and say, listen, there shouldn't be anything in life that you get so attached to that you can't let it go when I speak the word. Let that minister and just resound in your heart. There shouldn't be anything in life that you get so attached to that when I tell you to let it go, that you just cut it loose. That's exactly what King Esau did. He saw grandma worshiping idolatry in her life and said, listen, that stuff is bad for you. That stuff will kill you, grandma. Listen, I'm going to do you a favor and help you out here. And I'm trying to clean up this whole city too. He deposed grandma. 
fired grandma. And then verse 17 says, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. Isn't that beautiful to hear that? It says fully committed to the Lord all his life. And those words fully committed literally mean safe, whole, and complete. The Bible says he was fully committed. He was safe, he was whole, and he was complete. Why? Because he was walking in the will of God. And he saw some things that were incarcerating the people and said, listen, I'm going to have to cut these things down out of your life. They're going to have to go. The Lord spoke. He stepped out in obedience and did exactly what he was supposed to do. And then verse 4, the Bible says, He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to obey his laws and commands. Asa commanded. Asa spoke a word. You know the power in the spoken word? Brother, you can tear some strongholds down with your words. You can build them with your words too. But he commanded. But then in verse 6, you see the renovation process is taking place here. Taking out the old, bringing in the new. Old king, new king. Verse 6, he built up the fortified cities of Judah since the land was at peace. No one was at war with him during those years, for the Lord gave him rest. When the Bible says the Lord gave him rest, it literally means the Lord gave him comfort. You rest on your bed at night, and I pray it's a comfortable bed where you get comforted. That's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to settle this nonsense down and bring peace into our lives. When we're not in this daily fight and struggle against ourselves. The Lord brought comfort. He provided comfort. But then look at verse 7. Here's what it says. Let us build up these towns, he said to Judah, and put walls around them with towers, gates, and bars. Asa constructed. Now there's a time to tear things down. And there's a time to build things up. He said, listen, everything's tore down. It's time to get the construction process going. That's what God wants to do. God wants to build on our lives. Paul rebuked the Corinthians, I believe it was, when he came back. And he said, listen, by now you ought to be teachers. They might have tore some things down, but they forgot to build themselves up. Esau got in the construction business. And he built walls and towers and gates and bars. He constructed some things. We spend too much time tearing down. And we ought to spend more time building up. I realize there's some things we need to tear down. But listen, we can't stay in demolition mode all the time. We got to get the construction hat on sometimes and the construction boots and the tape measure. We got to start constructing some things, building this kingdom of God. It's an important job for us. How long it's been said we spend too much time in the office organizing when we ought to be spending more time at this altar agonizing. We spend all this time chilling out and grilling out when we ought to be spending time spilling out our guts and our heart before a living God, calling upon His holy name, saying, God, build something in my life. I don't want to remain the same. Build me up, God. Oh, I'll tell you what, in order for Him to build you up, He's got to tear some things down, though. The things that are in our heart that bring us pain and hurt, woundedness, He's got to tear that down. Those are strongholds. And then He can say, I can begin to build you up. Maybe He does it simultaneously. Oh, but verse 7, there's something else in verse 7 that I really thought was a key to understanding these seven passages. It says, the land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We sought Him and He has given us rest on every side. The word sought means they consulted the Lord. They had a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell Him all about our problems. He will hear our faintest cry and answer by and by. They consulted with the Lord. It means to talk things over. It means to seek instruction. And that's where we're going to find our healing at is when we seek the Lord. When we have a talk with Him, we have a discussion with Him. Talk things over. 
And then in verse 7 it says, He has given them rest on every side. And I just want to say, listen, the Lord provided a covering for these people. That is to say, He provided protection for them. What did He give them? Walls, towers, gates, and bars. Think about that for a second. Walls, towers, gates, and bars. What do they have in common? Protection against invaders. Walls, towers, gates, and bars. They protect you against invaders. And I believe God is just speaking to our, in our hearts and to say, listen, you've got to put watchtowers in place. Watchtowers are the Word of God. Watchtowers are the Word. It's the principles of God. It's obedience to God. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 6. In this particular setting right here, what you see is the rebuilding of the temple. What we're talking about is thinking about us as the temple. And God's saying, I want to rebuild my temple. And it talks about the time that it started. It talked about the dimensions of it. It talked about how he was going to decorate it and all those things. But I want you to see verse 7. It says, In building the temple, only blocks dressed at the quarry were used, and no hammer, chisel, or any other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. In building the temple, only blocks dressed. You know what the word dress means? It's the same word that we found up in chapter 15 of 2 Chronicles, verse 17, when it says, Asa's heart was fully committed. Dressed and fully committed are the same thing. It says, in building the temple, only blocks dressed that were safe, that were whole, that were complete at the quarry were used, and no hammer or axe or other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. Nothing defective, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing to be amended. You know why? They were hewing out perfect stones in that quarry where they were coming from. And that temple was to be a temple of silence and worship. And there were no axes. There were no hammers. I'm telling you, God wants to quiet our lives down and make our lives so peaceful that that pain on the inside has been taken care of. And we don't have to get the hammer out and the axe out. That's what was going on at that temple. As I thought about that, those stones that were being cut at the court, what an awesome thing. You know God was behind that. How could they do that? The quarry was a picture of Christ. That one big rock that everything came out of. That one perfect stone that was continuing to be cut stone after stone. And that's what we are. We're living stones according to the Word of God. Let me close with these scriptures right here and I want to share these with you real quick. In Psalms chapter 51, David had a man come before him named Nathan and put his finger in his face and essentially said, David, you've been a bad boy. David knew that. He didn't need anybody to tell him that. And right away as chapter 51 opens up, you see David is asking God to forgive him for his transgressions, his iniquities, and his sins. David is saying, God, please forgive me for this, just like you and I do. And in verse 10, David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thine Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and renew a right spirit within me. I want you to hear something here that's really powerful. There's two little words in that 10th verse that are probably some of the most powerful verses in chapter 51. And they are the words in me. And the Lord just quickened that in my heart. You know what David realized? David realized his problem wasn't somebody else in life. David realized his problem wasn't some other thing in life. David said, it's in me. This problem's in me. It's in my heart. And he said, Lord, you've got to create in me a new heart, a clean heart, a pure heart. There's something wrong with my heart. And as I was thinking about that again today, I felt David probably did that simply because David knew he said, listen, if you don't change my heart, I'm going to go right back and do it all over again. 
That's why you've got to create in me a new heart, a clean heart. I don't want to get forgiven and just go right back and do it again. I've got to have something different this time. It's got to be a new heart, a clean heart, a pure heart. And he said, create. And that word literally means dispatch it, God. Oh, God, bring it out of the heavens. Dispatch your word. It's the heart. God can call us to live and cause us to live and help us to live in any circumstance when our heart is clean and pure before him. Amen. That's what he wants to do. Something has to come out and something has to be put in. We pray that this word is ministered to you today in a powerful way. It is our prayer that the body of Christ be whole and healthy to accomplish the last day's work. Liberty Through the Word is a ministry of Liberty Christian Fellowship of Beloit, Wisconsin. If you would like a copy of today's broadcast, we'll send it to you for a love gift of any size. You can contact us at 1525 Liberty Avenue on the web at libertychristianfellowship.com or by calling us at 608-365-0866. When you contact us, just mention the date of this broadcast. We thank you and boldly declare that there is liberty through the word. God bless.